Hey team, it's Ando here. 2022 is a big year for Australian rugby, and we at Pick and Drive Rugby want to be in the thick of it, but we need your support. We want to attend post-match press conferences to ask your questions. We need more interviews with players and coaches to give you the insights that you want into the game they play in heaven. And we want better recording equipment to create a superior listening experience for you. If you like what we do, and let's be honest, even if you don't, please consider getting involved and sending us a tip. All donations will be put straight back into the podcast. We do this for love, not money, but every little bit counts. So please go to ko-fi.com slash pick and drive rugby. You can give us $1, you can give us 5 whatever is within your budget, we would be incredibly appreciative for. Thank you for your support. Let's get back to the pod. Wade Cooper, for the win, it's on its way, it's on its way, it's gone, Wade Cooper is the man. Hello and welcome to Pick and Drive Rugby, I'm your host Ando and this is the final podcast for 2022. It's been a pretty challenging year for Australian rugby fans across the 15-man code, but through the difficulties of a home series lost to England and a tumultuous rugby championship and spring tour, there's been one reliable source of insight and positivity, which has been Stan Sports. And a man responsible for that insight and positivity is Andrew Swain, producer at Stan Sports Rugby, who joins us tonight. How are you, Swainy? Really well, Ando, and thank you for having me on. And I'm honoured to be on the last episode for the year too. That's it's a huge honour. Mate, we, we wouldn't want to finish it any other way. Um, there's been so much good that Stan Sports has brought to the rugby landscape in the two years that uh, the whole team has been involved. So I can't wait to chat through some of that with you. Uh, what does a Monday outside of rugby season look like for you? Yeah, well, I mean, I work for Channel 9, so uh, we have other sports. We've got tennis, we've got swimming, um, you know, we, so we sort of roll into other things. But uh, the rugby season's so long, uh, you know, it goes from pretty much February through to December that uh, we need to take a bit of a holiday too. So outside yep. of the rugby season, um, as I said to you just before off camera, I'm getting ready to go on a bit of a holiday with the family. Uh, this week and I can't wait uh, but uh, yeah outside of the rugby season you know you got to spend some time with the kids yep uh, um, you know do a bit of bit of that gear and uh, and mate yeah it's it's just uh, enjoying a bit of family time outside of rugby season I can imagine that I mean the amount of crap that I cop from my missus and uh, from my kids about talking rugby and doing the pod the whole time I can't imagine what it's like having to spend so much time in a studio with the games the commentating I'm sure that this is very much a um giving the family back the time that they deserve with Swainy too yeah absolutely and, and mate, I love the game and you know through osmosis my family seem to love the game they tell me that <laughs> I don't know but I, I love it and live it and breathe it. But you've just got to sometimes uh, switch off from it as well and decompress. It's a bit like the players, I guess. That you know they're they're playing um, you know 40, 45 weeks of the year or whatever, um, and and training and what have you. You got to switch off sometimes. So it'd be nice to. Um, mind you, we are going to Fiji where, again, they live and breathe it. And so <laughs> it's, that could be a little bit interesting. But, um, yeah, it's, it's nice to give back to them a little bit and um, spend a bit of time just uh, re- you know, 
enjoying our interests outside of rugby. Exactly, exactly. Well, great shout. Hope you enjoyed that time away, mate. So for dear listeners, tonight what we're going to be doing is, well, obviously chatting with Swaney about Stan Sport, uh, where they have been, the learnings that they've taken on for 2022 and maybe the hopes for 2023 moving forward before Mitch is actually going to jump on right at the end. We'll have said goodbye to Swanny at that point and we're going to just do a final farewell to you, our fans, before we wrap things up for 2022 and let you know when we're going to be back in January. So let's get into things, mate. Um, like I said before, it's been a pretty big year for Stan Sports. It's been a pretty big two years because, I mean, you had the entire COVID disruption, which absolutely messed things around for you as a team. What do you think were, what were you trying to achieve as a broadcasting team for 2022 in terms of maybe your goals, the target audience and the style you were trying to put forward with the different offerings that were available? Yeah, it's a really good question. And you're right. We we had the last year was such a, a weird year. It was the first year of Stan Sport Rugby, uh, for Stan Sport, and then the first year of Stan Rugby as well. And uh, really, our goal was just to get on air. Uh, we had a, a, the rights were sold or bought really quite late in the piece. Uh, we had about 12 weeks run up to that first, wow. first game, um, you know, of the Super Rugby season. And so from, from that first game through to where we are today, um, we've come a really long way. And so at the end of last year, um, it was all, it was a bit like, oh, okay, we can catch our breath. We managed to, you know, do the whole Super Rugby season, Super Rugby AU, Super Rugby Aotearoa, then the crossover. Then we did, um, uh, you know, a rugby championship that we didn't think we'd be hosting all the games and then suddenly we were. Um and then we did the spring tour at the end and, and it was a bit like, Whoa, okay, that, that was a heck of a first year. A baptism by fire. Definitely. Yeah. Exactly. And, and then it was, and then the um, COVID kind of reared its ugly head again um, at the start of uh, this year. And we had to do the, um, the, the first 10 weeks uh, domestic and then super round rolled around. And so, you know, our goal at the start of Super Rugby season again was just to get through that COVID period, get through that that first that first few weeks, and then let's really make a big deal of Super Round. And and um, you know, I think there were a lot of learnings out of Super Round, both from a broadcaster perspective, but also um, from an organisational perspective as well. And I'm sure that um, you know the organisers have learnt a great deal around what needs to happen for that to be a big event. Um, you know, there's going to be it's going to be very different next year in 23 when it's round two as opposed to round 10. Yep. Um, you know, the Super Rugby season will be out on its own still. There's no AFL or NRL around. Um, you know, and, and I think that they probably underestimated what needs to happen in between games in in terms yep. of an entertainment spectacle. So, you know, that's going to be a really big thing for us uh, leading into next year. Um, and, and you know, when we were building up for super round uh this year um you know it was just a we just didn't quite know what to expect so we just kind of did our best now we know um that that'll that'll be a really big event for us in 23 um yeah and then the england series uh, we really wanted to make a big deal of england you know like that australia england rivalry um you know, the getting getting the games on Channel Nine was a really big thing for us on the main channel, um, and that happened quite a bit this year. Um, you know, and, and the goal was to just make sure that we could we can always step it up a level. Um, you know, via 
you know, production, our commentary, our, our team, uh, our production team as well. Um, you know, we're always at our best at the in those big moments. And and you know, I think we did that. I think the highlight for 2022 for me um, was that Perth test against England at Optus Stadium. It was an incredible crowd. Uh, it was a dramatic game. We worked so hard um, putting that pregame together. Um, and then Quade Cooper goes and, and it goes down on, the, on his ankle and, or his calf and, and we had to throw everything out. And it was, I think that for me was the best television that we made this year. It, it was, we had to think on our feet. We had to, you know, produce on the run, um, follow the storylines around Quade Cooper's injury and what have you. Um, throw out some pretty cool stuff that we'd actually done um, in pre-production just to tell that story. And then the fact that they won that night, um, you know, red cards and what have you, it was, it was just such a dramatic yeah. night. Yeah. And um, I feel like that was just the best television that we made this year. Um, we had a bit of a run into it. So, you know, we were, we were able to make it really good. And um yeah, the, the rest of that series, you know, it, it unfolded the way it did. Um, yeah. You know, there was all sorts of drama around it. But, um, yeah, uh, you know, behind the scenes as well, like we had, um, you know, producers going down with COVID and things like that that week. So, you know, there was just there was so much <laughs> drama uh, within our team, within, um, you know, Australian rugby at the time and England were here. It was That was really cool. And then... Um, and then we just had to be able to make sure that, you know, once the rugby championship rolled around, then we could take it to another level. And we, I think we did that, you know, Adelaide Oval, the double header, um, getting the Wallaroos involved was so cool. Yeah. Um, they, they, they are so brilliant. Um, and, and then, um, I'm sorry, I'm going a bit long winded. No, no, no. I'm loving it. You're basically taking us through the entire last, oh, what, 12 months or so 12 months, of Aussie yeah. rugby. Yeah, and and from a broadcaster perspective, we just needed to make sure that um, we, we you know we didn't leave anything out there. It's a bit like a game, really. Didn't leave anything out there on um, uh, in the production, but that you could always just take it to another level. And there were some such cool things that we did um, in the broadcast. But that Bledisloe in Melbourne, I think mm. that was probably the crescendo. Yep. Um, again, that was dramatic. Um, you know, behind the scenes, it was hectic. Um, and then, and then the 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 last five minutes of that that test match was just I've never seen anything like it. And um, yeah, I think we told the story really well. So it's yeah, I think it's been one of those years where um, you know the the storylines have been so dramatic. We just had to make sure that we were able to tell them and um, and but also get people on board. And I think I think we kind of got that balance right. Yeah, this year. yeah, and that that. There's a couple of things that have jumped out that I'd love to touch on, but we'll start with that point of um, so much of what you said about the challenges that you had to face were as a result of uh, perhaps injuries or dramatic wins or moments that significantly influenced the Wallabies' performance within games. Now, obviously, as a broadcaster, um, you, you need eyeballs. You need people to be watching the games, and that happens far more when the Wallabies are winning. One of the things that I think that the team have managed to do fairly well this season overall is to remain constructive and positive despite a run of really disappointing results and to be able to explain 
the losses and explain the challenges in a way that makes sense to the audience without just uh, sticking the boot in when people are down because that doesn't do anybody a service. So I think from my perspective as a viewer, I think that's something the team has been able to do quite well. Yeah, absolutely. And we've always got that in the back of our mind. And, um, you know, we couldn't do it without our partnership with Rugby Australia as well. The Wallabies, our relationships with, um, you know, just on a personal level uh, as producers with, you know, the management of the of the Wallabies, the players, um, you know, their, their willingness to try new things. Uh, yeah, being able to chat to Michael Hooper in the warm-up, um, before one of those big test matches, I think it might have been even been the um, the England test in Perth, um, you know, and and chat to him while he's warming up, get an insight, bring you in the viewer in, uh, and then also chat to him after the match uh, in Scotland when he made his comeback. Mm. Those little relationship things so important to not only. Uh, make the broadcast great, but also bring the viewer in. And and our commentary team are, are brilliant at at finding that balance. Um, and oh, yeah, I worked previously in another life uh, with another employer, and and you know the things got negative sometimes. Um, our guys are very constructive, and mm. they'll, they'll always try and find a positive. However, they they're not afraid to to. Um, throw a few punches here and there as well. And, and so yeah. that, I think that, that also, uh, and, and the overarching thing overall that is you've got to be entertaining as well. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, we're in the entertainment business and I think that we've got the balance right with our commentary team and our, um, our panelists, they, they know how to have a laugh. Um, they know how to, um, but they're, they're very, you know, well uh, regarded globally and have a, um, you know, they've all got brilliant rugby brains in their own separate ways um, and, and they can also put the boot in if they have to. We've had the chance to do some stuff with um, Squidge Rugby, who I'm sure you know from over in the UK. And yeah, we were chatting off camera with him and also um, with his brother on socials who were really, really just lauding the quality of the Stan Sport production over what they receive within the UK. Um, and I think one of the players, oh, sorry, one of the one of the analysts or pundits from, from your end who, who does that really well is Morgs. So Morgs has been, in my mind, just kind of one of the stars, particularly of the Stan Sport show. Um, and I'm not saying this because I want him back on the pot at some point. I actually believe this. <laughs> um, <laughs> just, just in terms of his ability to both be constructive, uh, to both be um, critical where it's required, but also explain maybe why those mistakes are being made or why decisions are being made that um, we may not understand. He, he's very much one that can see the errors that are present and then try and educate the audience rather than just point out the issues and the flaws. And perhaps that was something that I think was a little bit more prevalent with past employers that you might be referring to. Um, just that idea of like, there was a problem and they were frustrated and I understand that it's frustrating, but you can't sit in that frustration as the broadcaster who is trying to entertain and get people engaged and buying into the sport. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And Morgs is, you know, he's in a, a unique position. He's the um, head of Classic Wallabies. He's a, he's also a um, director of rugby at Randwick. So he's he's got this unique um, perspective as a as a former Wallaby first and foremost, uh, one of the the brains of the game. Like I I, I think that Morgs, he'd be in the top three 
um, thinkers in rugby in the game, or I think in the world, uh, in, in my opinion. He, he's a brilliant um, coach, uh, but he's also, uh, he's also articulate and can dumb it down to, you know, when I say dumb it down, he, he communicates it, simply. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. Um, and, and a terrific bloke, great sense of humor, um, does it in a, a really um, engaging way. So yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with you there. And, and actually I love commentating with Morgs because I know that, um, you know, I, I try to be a bit of a student of the game and I, I try to be, um, you know, technical without being too um, like without speaking in gibberish, and um, I think Morgs brings that uh, energy when he calls as well. Um, so yeah, he's he's brilliant to to work with. There has been there have been a fair few different iterations of maybe midweek shows or different offerings that um, the Stan rugby team have put together. And I'll just run through a few of them. I, I basically just clicked on rugby shows on Stan and put this put this list together. But we've got between two posts, Rugby Heaven, the Women's Rugby World Cup Weekly, Clubland, Glory Days. We also had Ruck Me Dead as the previous Batuta Advocate um, podcast partnership that was going for a while in 2021. Um, and then then my story, which is just being released from my understanding and is uh, currently be the first edition of that, or maybe the only, I'm not sure. Maybe you could talk about that a bit more. Um, yep. So why don't we start with my story? Okay, let's start with my story. Then I'll get back to my question. Um, obviously, it's coming out Thursday night, 7pm, Stan Sports, get involved. But tell us about that. How did that idea come around? Was it basically Drew just being great mates with Curtly and wanting to tell a story? Yeah, look, we, we really lean on our relationships, um, our oh, sorry, our commentary team's relationships with the, the players currently, um, their mates and, and what have you to, to really tell a lot of those stories. And, and yeah, that's essentially how it, it came about. I think, um, you know, Drew was obviously really keen to, to get Curtly involved and, and, you know, he's just come back from overseas. Let's actually hear his story from his, his mouth and and hear it, um, you know, let Drew ask the questions, who's a great mate of his. Um, he really trusts, they really trust each other. Uh, so it's a really raw and, um, you know, I've only seen snippets of it. I'm really looking forward to watching myself. Um, but it's a really raw uh, interview and, and it's, you know, it's something that um, I think Curtly is probably over the past decade been one of the more misunderstood wallabies, I reckon. Yep. Um, so to hear him uh, in his own words uh, with a guy that he trusts tell uh, his story is, um, yeah, really compelling. And that's one thing that Stan, not just in sport, but in their entertainment offering as well. You know, we want to tell the best stories. Um, so, yeah, this might be the, the last um, you know, my story, we, there's plenty of other guys out there who've got wonderful stories that we'd love to tell guys and girls and, um, and yeah, hopefully we get, we get that opportunity, but yeah, this is, this is just dipping our toes into that little area a bit and, um, it should be fantastic. And it, it goes to air, it goes live on Thursday night and I'm really looking forward to it. Mate, even as you were saying that, um, I'm really excited to watch it. But I was thinking there's there's obviously that element of um, some of the more enigmatic figures of Australian rugby over the last few years, like your three amigos, obviously. So Kirtley, James O'Connor um, and Quade Cooper. But I personally, as you're saying that, thinking how good would it be 
to see the the challenges and the travails that the Australian women are facing, particularly the 15s players, in trying to compete for the nation, but also hold down all the other requirements of being an amateur rugby player requiring. I, I feel like that would almost be the perfect platform for that type of story or expose on it. Absolutely. And, and I found actually this year, uh, as I said to you before, we've got a really wonderful relationship with the Rugby rugby Australia, with the Wallabies, but the Wallaroos, working with them this year, it's just such a breath of fresh air. They're so enthusiastic. Yep. They get it. They get why we're involved and what we need to do. Um, not saying that the Wallabies don't, but just there's different, um, you know, there's different attitude there yep. uh, at times. And, and um, you know, getting to know Sarah Nanguama, who has worked on, um, our coverage this year and then be inside the tent with her when, um, you know, she, she hears that she's pulling on that Wallaroos jersey for the first time and things like that. Those, those stories are amazing. And, and I reckon you're right. There's, there's um, dozens of those stories in the Wallaroos. And, yeah, I'd love to be able to tell those. I hope yeah. we get the opportunity to do that. And that, you know, this might be something that opens the door to that as well um, in the future with the Curtly one. Mm, definitely. Well, uh, we'll go back to what I was going to say earlier. So we have, we've had a lot of different shows that have um, in some ways come and gone. So a few of them have stuck around, but if I think of glory days and particularly rock me dead, there were things that were tried for a while and then um, weren't continued for whatever reason it was. And what I wanted to know is how have you as one of the kind of more senior producers behind the scenes been trying to narrow down what works for the audience that are watching on Stan. Um, what's, what are some of the decision-making processes that are happening to say, let's give this a shot and maybe we need to adapt and shift the offerings that we're providing. Yeah. Oh, look, we've got um, a team of producers who, who work on those on those uh, sort of magazine style shows and and I'm more involved with the live side but yep. um, in saying that uh, yeah look you know being able to produce those types of shows and keep the viewer engaged through a whole week of rugby um, is is you know hugely important and and you know there are teams of producers as I said not many um, and that's probably one of the things that you know, sometimes holds us back from being able to do what we really want to do. It's just, we just don't have the bodies, but um, yeah, it, there, there are, there are things that, you know, I think that they, they look at in terms of, you know, subscribers and viewers and what have you, that that's kind of top level stuff. Yep. Um, when you dig down a bit uh, it, it's, it's about making compelling television. So um, you know, those things like glory days and stuff, they're great. And they, they live on the platform and they're kind of timeless. Yeah. Yep. Um, that, those, those sorts of shows, the timeless shows are great because, you know, you can make them and they live there forever. Um, you know, we, we talk about a, uh, at Stan and at nine, um, what does a week in rugby look like? So, you know, what happens on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, all the way through to, to game day. Um, and that's kind of where the decision making came in. So, um, you know, we had to to look at the week and and you know the, you you on a Monday you kind of want your more reviewy kind of thing and that kind of fitted with between two posts. Mm -hmm. uh, Morgs and Sean. Sean's obviously called on the weekend. Um, you know, Morgs uh, or it was Mertz more more Mertz than Morgs this year. I think yeah. Morgs got punted. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he, he, he got uh, shafted from the very thing he created, I believe. Yeah, <laughs> correct, correct. Yeah, so, 
um, you know, just bringing a little more irreverent look to the weekend because uh, we've spent the whole weekend previewing and reviewing games anyway. Yep. Um, so just to have that little irreverent look uh, was something that I think, you know, stuck out as something that we probably would have needed. Um, and then, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, um, you know, I think one thing that, you know, we probably would have loved to have gotten up is more of a newsy 360 type show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that just hasn't, hasn't eventuated yet, but we, we had Clubland, which was my show. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, look, I, I love doing it. Um, spent a lot of time watching a lot of club rugby on the weekends and, um, and then talking about it. And that, that was something that we thought was a really important offering because you're actually communicating with um, the people that you want to subscribe, yep. you know, your club, your people who live in club land, your, your um, parents who watch their kids play on the weekend, um, all that kind of stuff. So that, that's a really important thing. And then rugby heaven was kind of the flagship. Um, we wanted to have the real, you know, what they call a shiny floor show um, where, you know, you, you've got your big names, um, you've got a bit of variety and that show in itself um, has really evolved this year. It sort of started as something and it became another thing. As you probably saw, there were live yep. studio audiences, um, you know, in, involved there. We did have um, new producers come in who were specifically hired to, you know, make these shows and, and um, actually, you know, grow them. So um, those was you saw some of the the the, the fruits of their labours a little bit this year, um, and, and I think rugby heaven became, um, you know, particularly through that England series, and then for the rest of the year, something that you know everyone was really proud of. So, um, you know, that that's been good, and then you you kind of just get back into your into your weekend of footy. Then after that, um, yeah, it's almost yeah. twenty four hours, seven days a week in a way, basically, because if you think of the. I mean, I'm, I'm obviously talking about this from an external perspective, but the rugby heaven require multiple days to prepare for and to get going. So that obviously means kind of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, needing to ensure that everything's kind of ready to go, if not filming prior to that, um, if it's not live. So when you've got the games over the weekend, like, do you have a day off? <laughs> yeah, we, we don't stop. Like, we don't stop yep. during the season. And, you know, there are people who are working six and a half day weeks, um, yep. I'm, you know, I'm not going to lie and say I didn't do seven day weeks this year because I, I really did, like um, particularly with Clubland as well. Like yeah. it's, the amount you'd have to watch for that is crazy. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'll tell you what, one of the, the great offerings that Stan have are the mini matches. Yeah, right. They, they saved my life yep. because um, probably wouldn't be married anymore. I reckon um, mm-hmm. if I had to sit and watch every club game. Um, but so those saved my life, but yeah, you're right. Like there's, there's just work going into it constantly. And um, yeah, that, that's why we kind of, you know, we, we live and breathe it, uh, but we also like having some time. At the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, um, on that uh, live studio audience point, do you think that's going to be continuing for 2023? Um, look, that's a really good question. And I don't know for certain it's, it's something that gee, we'd love to because I think it really adds another layer to the show. You kind of just get that natural reaction from people immediately, which the energy then feeds onto the yep. panel. Yep. And, you know, there's something really, um, you know, organic and, um, you know, energizing about having a studio audience. Um, one thing that's really hard to do is get a studio audience every week um, for 
30 weeks a year or however many however many weeks a year that's a really hard thing to do so and it's that's time consuming and it's very labor intensive so um look that's something that um i'm sure that we'll all go to the drawing board and go are we going to do this again this year because i think it really adds a lot yep um you know and, and we'd love to um i hope that we do do it it's uh yeah it it it's just one of those things that it's it's really hard to do for 30 weeks because you you know getting a new audience every mm. week mm. um yeah for something like that yeah tricky but we'll we'll see what happens I, I i hope so because i think it's really cool yeah very exciting would love to uh i think we need to do though for those of us who um maybe need to give our wives a bit of uh advance notice is put the put the reminders or the the requests out earlier because i only saw it the day before and i went uh i've always found it hard to get in the last minute when uh my entire weekend is taken up with rugby as well so no, <laughs> get, get, getting the leave pass yeah thank you yeah, getting the leave pass down. is always hard um now mate what i'd love to do now let's move to the locker room so this is a segment within our show where we get questions comments banter from the fans from the listeners to our guests and for you got this bloke called sean maloney that has a question and the first question was where did you find that photo the second question that came in by michael atkinson how far back is this photo from so i hope you saw our social media post we typed into google andrew swain first one that came up it was you mate it was good <laughs> thank you uh yeah i was gonna ask the question to you whether you got any um questions that didn't involve that photograph or the fact <laughs> that i played at brothers in a previous life but um uh yeah that, that photo was taken a few years ago um so i did have a little bit of hair i was still hanging on i was clinging on for dear life um and you know afterwards conceded um yeah so but yeah being the first andrew swain that pops up when you when you google yeah. it that's nice to know that's yeah, nice that, goes, that goes all right doesn't it and i yeah. love how it's shawnee giving you crap about that photo yeah yeah but, um, exactly right when he's got a cartoon as his avatar right so. exactly and i'm not sure if he's told you but the first time he came onto our our pod and our show it was during the COVID lockdown and he had this filter on his zoom call that gave him like blushed cheeks eyeshadow and eyeliner and like amazing <laughs> eyelashes as well and he kept blaming his daughters for it and we we're just like yeah. Mate, just freaking own it own what you uh, do in the evenings it's okay uh you can throw them from the cheap seats shawnee at like the best of them i'll tell you that right now <laughs> but uh yeah I, I, I will i won't take any criticism from a guy who has a cartoon as his avatar that's a lot to be said for that so hugh tyndall asks best and worst stan rugby member to work with you know what? Um, I was thinking about this because I did see the question pop up. Um, I, I love working with Andrew Mertens. Um, you know, this is a guy that um, is at his self-deprecating best just 24-7. Um, he is, is the token Kiwi in our team um, and he knows it uh, and, he, and he loves to put, um, you know, put himself down a bit. But having said that, the guy accomplished so much in the game. He's he's actually so articulate and brilliant when he wants to talk about the game in a serious manner. Um, and, and he brings a great energy, a different energy to the commentary box when you're calling with him. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I love calling with Morgs and, and Merz. I love calling with everyone in, in their own different ways. Um, but, um, you know, Morgs and Mertz as a commentary team, you know, Morgs, this just brilliant analytical uh, brain. Mertz wears his heart on his sleeve and is a little more emotional, but still 
can articulate brilliantly what he's trying to say. Um, you know, there there isn't a worst one, and I, I don't want <laughs> I don't, I don't want to be a cop out because. Okay, um, who's got the worst habit or mannerism, or a funny habit or mannerism that you can? Should I just say like Maloney? Review? Because should I just say Maloney? Because that's you just a put, stock standard. Man. <laughs> no, come on, like, everybody knows that. Give us something interesting. <laughs> um, yeah, good question. Um, we heard from Sarah Nagama beforehand that Drew Mitchell always pranks her when she's on a show by like right before you guys go live. She'd be like, "Oh, you've got you've got something in your teeth. You've got something in your teeth." And so she just freaks out whilst the cameras are on her in that moment. So anything like that. Oh, it's very good. Uh, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go with um, I'm going to go with Big Goog because he, he just eats my lollies and doesn't bring any of his own. So Goog, if you're listening, um, you know it's it's it is a um, it, it is a requirement to bring some lollies to the commentary box when you're calling a game. Um, and you know, Goog, Drew, they're they're pretty both pretty bad at it. Horan always brings something. I will say that he always brings something to the to the table when it comes to um, feeding the commentary box. But yeah, those two fellas, they can lift their game a bit, I reckon. Brilliant. A couple of quick fire questions um, continuing on. Again, from Hugh Tyndall. If you had an unlimited budget, what would be the top three things you'd spend it on to improve the coverage? So quick fire. Can't think through it too much. Uh, yep. Three Top three things you'd improve. Uh, I'd make sure we're always at the ground when we're calling. I think it just adds energy um, yep. to the game. And, and, and you know, sometimes just through COVID and what have you, we haven't been able to, and we've continued that. So I'd make sure we're always at the ground. You know, who doesn't want to go to Paris? Yep. Um, <laughs> next thing, I, I'd add, um, I'd, I'd just, I'd add all the bells and whistles. So, you know, extra cameras, um, microphones everywhere. I'd make sure that we'd have, you know, out of every game, we'd have, someone that we're following with a mic'd up on the field, all those kind of things, those budget constraints that sometimes mm-hmm. we can't do it every week, but I feel like they, they grab a really good insight. And then I'd throw a heap more production budget into club rugby yeah, um, yeah. because like, what we're doing on stand with not a huge budget is mind blowing and, and yeah. remarkable. But I reckon if you added that extra um, production budget every week to club rugby, um, You'd, you'd get a, a really solid product. And um, that's what I, that's what I'd spend the extra cash on there. Brilliant. Aaron Brownlow asks, how far is it from Lake George to Sydney? <laughs> so it's a bit of a story. Bit of a I, story thought there was. This one. I thought there was. Yeah. So, so Aaron Brownlow is um, uh, I've known Aaron uh, AB for a very long time. Um, we worked together back at the previous employer for, um, you know, for years. And um one of the jokes that always used to pop up um, was uh, the great Phil Kearns, who uh, I love and loved working with. Um, he was one of those guys that would always turn up right on time, right on time. And so you'd message him and you'd give him a call time and say, mate, I need you here 15 minutes beforehand. He'd get there three minutes beforehand. Um, but he, you'd message him 15 minutes beforehand and say, mate, how far off are you? And you go, oh, I'm just at Lake George, which is a reference to um, games in Canberra. Yep, driving down. Uh, yep. At Bruce Stadium. You're driving in, Lake George is on your left. Um, and it's a, probably about a 20-minute drive from there to Canberra Stadium. <laughs> and he'd always just say, just at Lake George. Um, so so that was – and then now Brownlow's carried on the uh, – he's carried on the, the baton there. And um, 
he'll, he'll always just text and say, mate, just, just at Lake George. So very good. Very good. Yeah. Love that you've got fans far and wide, mate. Um, Craig at Balumba, one of the most beloved members of the rugby Twitter community. What is the most frustrating, if any part of commentating a rugby game? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, yeah, look, I'd say just, um, I think the, the most frustrating and, and challenging thing to call is being able to be inside the referee's head when they make some sort of decision. And you, I, you know, I feel like I've got a pretty good understanding of the laws. The referees obviously have a great understanding of the laws and, and not being able to find that common ground sometimes. Um, it happens a lot, I feel like, in rugby. And, you know, you hear pundits all over the world going, I don't know why they've made that decision or whatever. I wish I could get inside their head and actually understand it yep. sometimes. Yep. That 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 can be tricky. And, and as a byproduct of some of those decisions, how it slows the game down, I love it when a game just flows and it's quick. Mm. Um, and so that can be tricky sometimes, being able to, you know, stay up and um, stay in in the moment when things have just grinded to an absolute halt. Yeah, especially um, with multiple like TMO interventions or the referees on field ref is trying to get like 12 different angles to determine whether or not uh, a finger's really, touched a player's head or something like that. Exactly, yeah, the TMO, big one. And, and yep. so, um, yeah, I, I find that um, can be frustrating sometimes and I feel like I'm a really... I'm a really positive guy. I try and start, I try and see the glass half full all the time, even when I'm calling. Yep. Um, and and you know, I don't want to be sycophantic uh, yep. in those moments. Yep. So um, that can be challenging for me as a caller. Um, but that's why it's sometimes it's really fantastic just to have two guys next, two people next to you who can take over to take the baton. I just go hospital pass. Let yep. them explain it. <laughs> yeah, fair call. Well, a couple of quick questions, then we'll wrap things up here. So uh, Ed Morton is speaking to those challenges, particularly when you're at the ground of not being able to know some of maybe the TMO process that's happening, not getting a coverage. Um, you wrote something down, a piece of advice I gave you earlier. Perhaps you could write down uh, that there needs to be a way for the broadcast or the commentary to be listened to by people at the ground, like buying sports is or a similar device. So think about that one. People want yeah. to hear more of you, mate. So take that as a compliment. It's uh, <laughs> good to know. It's good to know. Yeah, I mean, you know, Rugby Australia have, I think this year, um, I don't know if you noticed, we we also this year, uh, and sorry, I don't want to um, hijack this conversation, but we uh, we worked a lot closer with them in our pregame shows to the on-field entertainment as mm, well. So yeah. I don't know if you watch, ever watched Origin or whatever, and you know, suddenly they'll throw to the ground and Grinskaburn's playing or whatever. Um, we did a bit of that this year, a bit more, you know, our teasers leading into um, the games, you know, were uh, almost synced up to the entertainment on the ground. And then we could, we could take that live and, and play that. And, and you know, they rugby Australia have done a really good job this year. I think engaging the people at the ground a little bit more. Yep. So maybe that's the next level. Yeah, um, maybe. Yeah. But the, the, we, we worked a lot closer this year with, um, you know, the, the people who were great big events, I think is the, the name of the company that, that do all the, the pregame entertainment and things like that. And um, really tried to, um, you know, synchronize with our, with our broadcast and, yep. and think it, I think it added to the, you know, everyone's, everyone's um, 
um, experience. Mate, the um, the first game Alliance Stadium was one of the best sporting spectacles that I've been to. Absolutely loved it. The pregame show was absolutely brilliant. Uh, yeah. Such, such a good vibe. Really, really enjoyed it. So I hope more and more of that can translate into both the kind of experience for the punter that goes to the game, but also the uh, punters that are staying at home and watching it on stand. Uh, yeah. Another question coming in from Kenny Glyn Braun. Swainy, when are we going to get a Wallabies documentary on stand? We'd love to see some more behind the scenes stuff leading into next year's World Cup. I'm envisioning this in terms of the cricket, the test. The, mm. the docu-series on that. Imagine imagine that over the last 12, 18 months or something like that, um, tracking things that have come up, injuries to key players, challenges that um, Hoops has faced as well and James Slip has had going over, taking over that responsibility of leadership. Is there any hope for a similar docu-series style show for Australian rugby? Oh, it'd be incredible, wouldn't it? And, you know, we, we're sort of... Um, yeah, it's the old age-old saying we're sort of 15 years into a five-year plan for for something like that. Um, it would be brilliant. I, I don't know if there are any plans in in the pipeline to do something like that, but you know what what Rugby Australia do have is some really good people um, on the inside who do a lot of great videography. You see it on the socials and things like that. They'd have an archive of that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, so there, there, there would be an opportunity to do that, I reckon. Um, but you know, the test stuff like that at that production level, uh, that's taking it to a whole new level. Um, and, and gosh, I'd love to do it. Yep. Um, it'd be brilliant. And I reckon, you know, cause I, I do, I, I, I'm a, I'm a believer. I, I genuinely believe that the Wallabies will, you know, turn the corner and, and do well next year at the rugby world cup. Um, they've got the, a brilliant opportunity to do that. So to be able to tell that story from, you know, the start of yep. last year or even when, even when Dave Rennie took over through to, you know, potentially lifting the Webb Ellis Cup um, in, you know, less than 12 months time, that would be an incredible story to tell. Um, Imagine yeah. starting it in 2024, the year prior to the Lions tour, and then having kind of three or four series or seasons of it uh, where you cover the lot just before the lions the lions the fallout or whatever happens after that and then leading up into the world cup yeah that, oh that whole sequence anyway anyway we've anyway. got a golden decade coming up don't we? Right, so. we really do okay let's wrap things up i thought this would be the final or the best way to finish this conversation from um one of the pod favorites kirando who says for someone who played at brothers surprisingly he comes across as a decent bloke uh swaney a decent bloke you are thank you so much for your time it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the pod mate I'll always fight for the blue and white, Ando, and uh, and I appreciate you having me on, mate. It's always good to chat anytime. Um, and you know, I, I will just close by saying that we're really trying hard at Stan and on Nine to to try and do something a little bit different, um, to try and push the boundaries of broadcast. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but we'll always we we won't die trying. So. Um, you know, we, sorry, we will die trying. So yeah, it's, 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 um, you know, it's a pleasure to chat to you, mate. And yeah, anytime you want to have a yarn, give us a buzz. Thanks mate. Appreciate it. Enjoy your time off with the family and look forward to hearing you again in 2023. Look forward to it. Thanks mate.
Thank you very much to Andrew Swain for the chat just then. It is now time to wrap up our season of podcasting in 2022. And we've got Mitch that's jumped back on. Mitch, how are you, mate? Yeah, good. Uh, just jumped on for a little bit of a chat before we finish things up for the year. So, um, yeah, haven't had a chance to listen to the previous interview yet but <laughs> not yet that. not yet it's a good one Swainy is an absolute legend of a man so mate uh why don't you kind of lead us in this section what did, what did you want to say what did you want to chat yeah well this is our last podcast for 2022 so we did just wanted to jump on and, and say a big thank you to all of our listeners for um engaging with us this year and and uh tuning in week in week out and giving us the support that um has allowed the brand to sort of grow over the last two three seasons which has been fantastic we've got Lots in store for 2023. Um, this is the last podcast for 2022, so we will have a few weeks off now, but we do have uh, plans to do previews for all of the Super Rugby Australian and Indrawa teams uh, before kickoff of Super Rugby Pacific uh, late end of February. So we'll be back in a few weeks' time. Um, just wanted to kind of wish everyone out there a, a safe Christmas period and, and New Year's and that... Um, Again, yeah, thanks everyone for their support. And yeah, we've got some new things that we're going to sort of focus on next year. And, yeah, and some really sort of cool stuff. Upgrade the pod a little bit and shift focus a little bit as well. So uh, we might be doing, we might still be present on social media during that time. So we we have some ideas that we're going to sort of chat about in the off season. And we might send some polls out on our various social media platforms. So if you are interested in... Mm. Um, in sort of having a say and forming how pick and drive looks and feels in 2023, do keep an eye on our socials because we'll uh, be sending some stuff out. So we would love to hear your feedback there. Before we sort of finish things up, I just wanted to throw two quick questions to you, Ando, as a bit of a wrap up of the season. First one, and this is from a podcast perspective. So from yep. a pick and drive uh, emphasis, what is your highlight for the 2022 season? Uh, look, just from a particular podcast point of view, I think it's being able to get the access behind the scenes to the international level of kind of media accreditation and getting to meet the coaches, meet the players, be in a room afterwards where the players come in absolutely battered and bruised and bloody and still have to face the media and answer the questions. Um, just getting that look from a bit of an um, outsider's perspective, because when we're not journalists, we're not trying to be journalists, yep. uh, has been really, um, I, I feel privileged to have that opportunity. And it's entirely down to the opportunities that the podcast and our listeners have provided. So yeah, I'm incredibly thankful for that. And I think that's probably been a highlight for me. Fantastic. And yeah, my highlight is uh, the draft that we've run this year. It's been fantastic to have that weekly engagement with fans and just being able to continue to get to know some of our listeners a little bit better and, and have a bit more of a uh, interaction week in, week out and, and banter. So um, that's been a highlight for me and what the podcast has brought in 2022. Next part of the question for you, Andrew, is what is something that you're looking forward to from a podcast perspective in 2023? Look, I'm really looking forward for opportunities uh, for more fan engagement. Now, we won't give any details yeah. of what we're thinking right here, right now, but we in many ways see ourselves as the people's podcast, one that focuses primarily on trying to get fan and listener involvement and trying to have your voice be a real part of what we do here on Pick and Drive Rugby. And Mitch and I met up at the pub last week and had a good had a good feed and a good couple of beers as we spoke through some of the different ways in which we can really try and live out that mantra of getting um, 
your input as fans into the pod. So we've got some great ideas. We think they're great ideas um, <laughs> that uh, that we're going to be trialing out next year, as Mitch mentioned. And yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to. So you're, more of that will come in January. You'll find yeah, out more in January. Fantastic. And yeah, my mine sort of my uh, what I'm looking forward to in 2023 echoes what you just said there, Ando. And a bit of a highlight this year, as I said, was getting to engage with the the people that we had in our draft and. We're looking at ways to being able to expand that access for us as uh, as you and I, as, as hosts of Pick and Drive, uh, to be able to interact a little bit more frequently with some of our fans and uh, whatever way that happens, I'm really looking forward to being able to just build the brand a bit more in 2023 and, and sort of get back to the yeah, grassroots yeah. and, and yeah. get to know the people that are listening and, and hear their, their stories and um get to get their voices heard and their thoughts and opinions out on the podcast as well so yeah definitely definitely awesome well i think well, that kind of um that wraps us up i'll throw back yeah. to you because this is your episode and i'm just sort of curtailing <laughs> this last little bit well mate um just from my perspective thank you for coming on the pod i was looking at it we've had um how many episodes 51 this will be 52 or so episodes this yeah. season um that we have gone through and so we've done more than one a week up until this point uh throughout the entirety of the rugby season in 2022 and it's definitely been a mammoth in- endeavor and i know there have been times where you've been tired there have been times where i've been tired and um there have been times where we've both really been on fire and loving it and then other moments where we're doing it because we set ourselves a time schedule and a timeline and we have to do it um but throughout it all you've been super present and um done so much more work than me behind the scenes so thank you for that the the time where you were away in thailand like a couple of weeks back and i had to edit the podcast oh my god um, <laughs> I, I i did enjoy listening to the podcast that was great to get that perspective of not being present for an episode and just being able to be a fan for a week so you guys did well that was a good episode i enjoyed it oh god thanks yeah i definitely did a budget job on the editing but hey it got done um so thank you for everything that you've put in for this season it's been a good year and ladies and gentlemen thank you have a wonderful week have a wonderful christmas and a safe and happy new years and we cannot wait to get in touch again and get involved in australian rugby again in january of 2023 we'll see you then bye everyone bye